unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is this Eleazar of Damascus? And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and, lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And, behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, talking about this Eleazar, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now towards heaven and tell the stars, If thou be able to number them, and be and, and he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. Today there are approximately 15 million Jews in the world. You better realize how accurate this Bible is. This is Genesis. This is thousands of years ago that the Lord spoke this to people that Abram, who is the father of, you can say, all nation, but let's start with the Jewish nation. He said, your seed will be like the stars of the skies. And now today we know that there is over 15 million Jews. About 6.5 is in Israel. About 6.5 is in America. And the rest of them are scattered throughout the world. But the point is, it's over 15 million Jews in the world today. And the Lord had told Abram years ago, your seed will be like the stars of the sky. What a God we serve. Genesis chapter 18 verse 9 says, And they said unto him, Where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, Behold, in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age. And it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I of a surety bear a child which am old? Is anything too hard? For the Lord. Now that's a question that you need to always keep in your mind. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? You remember the dry bones that was in the valley? The Lord asked Ezekiel, can those dry bones live again? Ezekiel was smart enough to remember this probably. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? He said, thou knowest. Don't ask me. You can do the impossible. And so we always have to keep in mind, it doesn't matter what the situation, 
It doesn't matter the circumstance. It doesn't matter how ridiculously hard things may look to you. This question needs to come to your mind. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Mm. At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Then Sarah denied, saying, I laugh not. I thought it was kind of funny. Look, just sometimes you got to read this with the humor that's in it. So then Sarah denied, saying, I laugh not, for she was afraid. And he said, you, who said? The Lord. And he said, nah, Sarah, you did laugh. <laughs> Sarah said, I didn't laugh. And the Lord said, mm, no, Sarah, you did laugh. And so I think that's pretty funny. So the Lord told them in two instances you will have a child of your own. Even though you're old and stricken in age, you will have a child of your own. And if you want to question me, I'm going to ask you the question. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? And so the Lord left them with that. I don't care how old you are. If I said you're going to have a son and it's not going to be with anyone else, it's going to come from both of you. If I said it, so shall it be. When God spoke to Abraham about making him a father of many nations, Abraham questioned the likelihood of such a prophetic word coming to pass. And, you know, as I go through the word of God tonight, kind of make it practical and, and, and kind of incorporate it in your life, in the way we think, and, and, and begin to process it that way so you understand what those people, sometimes I think we read the Bible and we think those people were different from us. I'm serious. We, we think, listen, this is what I know. As long as you exist in flesh and blood, we're all the same. That's what's always going to make us the same. This flesh that we live in is always going to make us all the same. What you experience, I experience. The only person that probably didn't experience what we're experiencing right away was Adam and Eve because they didn't have this kind of flesh that we had. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They were made different. They were the only ones that were different from us because they were made by God. And when they were made, they were made totally innocent with no sin. Everybody else that came in this world came in with sin. Adam and Eve didn't come in with sin. So they were different from us. But every single person we read about in Scripture, they're no different from you. They didn't have any supernatural power. They didn't have no special gifting that made them exempt from anything. They're just like us. So we have to understand when we process the Word of God sometimes that these are people like me and you. They're thinking like we would think. What did the Bible says? There's nothing new under the sun? Hmm. At his age, not to mention the age of his wife, Sarah Abraham, was convinced they were going to die without having children of their own. However, God promised Abraham and Sarah a son in their old age. And though the fulfillment of the promise seemed impossible, God did what he said he would do. I just need us to understand that though things look impossible to us, if God said he's going to do something, he's going to do something. And we don't have to worry about it. If God says he's going to do it, he's going to do it. 
Abraham and Sarah proudly raised their son. They finally had their son, and they proudly raised their son. Fully convinced God would fulfill his covenant and make of them a great nation as they watched their son Isaac grow, they became even more certain of God's plan in their life. So here is something. There's a lot that's going on and we need to think about. What you will learn from a lot of the scriptures, but particularly in what we're reading tonight, sometimes we miss out because God is asking us to just do a little bit at a time, to just do one thing that he says. A lot of times we come to church and, and we have the privilege sometimes of reading the word of God or we hear the word of God preach, and there's a lot going on there, and we're just absorbing and taking in a lot. But sometimes you just got to hear what God is saying and just do that one thing God says because when you just do one foot before the next, you will be shocked where God will take you and how much closer you will get to God and how much you will experience experiencing God because you're taking one step at a time obeying every single thing he says sometimes we are just in a place in in, in time in society where we we just want it all at once we just want to indulge and we don't have the patience to do one before the other one before and just take our time and do what God says because when we experience one thing then it gives us confidence or should we call it faith Okay, that's how your faith increase, because every time you do what God says, you, you what you say, oh, God, you did it. Every time he tells you to do something and and you and you do it, you get to find out he did do it. So it makes you know him a little bit better. It's a it's a reason why our children, when they're babies, that they they have this confidence in us. Because why? Whatever we say we're gonna do, we do it, and they come become accustomed to knowing that we keep our word and when this is the way we behave and how we do things. So they have a lot of confidence in us because they've watched us keep our word. They've watched us be this example that they can follow consistently. Well, if we will do that with God. We will get to the place where we will have this, this, this crazy faith, just knowing and not even hesitating and, and just walking in it because we know, man, I did this. And when I did it, this is what God did. And you will have these testimonies of what God has done because when he said something, you did it and you got to experience him proving himself. So they have their son. They're raising him. They're believing that God said what he said. I'm going to make your seed as the stars of the sky. No way they would have guessed today there would be 15 million Jews in the world. And if you want to get technical, everybody that is born again are the seed of Abraham. That's what it says in Galatians chapter 3. So, so the number goes beyond that, but we're just going to leave it for, 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 for just our sake for right now to say, when God says, I will multiply your seed as the stars of the skies, now they're looking at 15 million of themselves in this world today because God made a promise. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, Abraham said, here I am. He replied, then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, 
and go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain, I will show you. Now, I always wonder about this. And I get so many different thoughts every time I read this. I don't know what kind of thoughts you get that God promised him, I'm going to give you a child that comes from you and your wife in your old age, and that child is going to multiply and multiply, and you're going to have a family, a nation under you that's, that, that's like the stars of the sky. And then finally, that child came, so God kept his word. Finally, that child is here, and you're nurturing that child, and you're rearing that child up and doing what you're supposed to do. And all of a sudden, here come God again, and God says, all right, I need you to take that child that I gave you and sacrifice him. How do we reconcile that? How did Abraham reconcile that? Now, now the good news is this, what I thought to myself is he had to know that was the voice of God. Because he had become accustomed to the voice of God. The, that same voice was the voice that told him, leave your, your family, leave this land, and I want you to go to a land where I will show you. So he knew that voice, and he knew the voice that told him he would have a child when they were old. He knew that voice that told him that, that was the voice that told him, now I need to sacrifice. So now, as I like to say, he had understood the ways of God. And so how can God tell you to that he was going to multiply your seed and you were going to have a great nation that comes from you, but at the same time he's telling you you got to kill that child. I just don't know what Abraham thought, but what I do know what he did was he obeyed. I don't know what he was thinking. Some people say, when I get to heaven, Abraham is the first guy I want to talk to. Because I want to know what he thought then. We know what he did. But what the Bible says, obedience is better than sacrifice. And so he obeyed the voice. And so he's deciding, okay, I know that voice. This is not making a whole lot of sense to me. And that's something that we have to think about to say when God will sometimes speak to us, it's not going to make a whole lot of sense to us. But it's still a challenge for us because we're so accustomed to making sense of things. And we make decisions because we feel like this makes sense to us. And so most of what we do in our life is because it makes sense to us. And here come God now is telling us stuff that don't make a whole lot of sense to us. And now we're faced with a challenge of this is the Lord that's not making a whole lot of sense. And a lot of times what we just go ahead and do is we just dismiss it because that doesn't make sense to me. And we could be dismissing the Lord. Now, what I love about the Lord, he's gracious and he's kind. And he will continue to poke at us and continue to bring it back around to us so we can realize it's him. But that doesn't mean that he's going to make us do it. He can only continue to bring it back to our attention and to our understanding. And we still have to make up in our mind if we're going to follow the Lord, the leading of the spirit, the leading of the word of God. Are we going to obey it? 
And so Abraham, early the next morning, got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him his servants, and he took his son Isaac with him, and they went off. He had, Isaac had the, burnt, uh, the, 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 the wood, and Abraham had the fire. And here they go. And they, they go into Moriah, and they having their discussion, you know, men talk, men's father-son talk, and they're going to Moriah. As they approach Moriah, Abraham told his servant to stay behind as he and Isaac started their climb. His final words to his servants before this defining journey upward were simply, Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship. The lad and I will go yonder and worship. Listen. Let me say this. Time is the most valuable commodity we have been given. Do you know that? Time is the most valuable commodity we have been given. With it, we can accomplish amazing things. Time allows us the space to create, to love, to serve, and to express the God-given abilities we have received. What makes time so valuable is the fact that time cannot be saved or stored for later. Time is constantly being spent. You can't save it up. You have to use it. And you can't stop it. Time is the most valuable commodity we have. Once a moment passes, that moment will never come again. Those who recognize this sobering reality guard their time and spend it wisely. But some fail to understand the fleeting nature of time and throw it away on insignificant and often selfish pursuit. One of the most sobering understanding of time is funerals. We don't a lot of times show our value or, let me say, appreciation for time the way we should. But every time we go to a funeral, time becomes important because we start looking at it and say, man, I didn't spend enough time with that person. Or, man, I can't see that person again. And now you begin to put time in perspective, how valuable it is, how great a commodity time really is when we lose someone. Because it's like losing time. We must be discerning and recognize time stealers. Somebody say time stealers. <laughs> time stealers that come disguised as something important. When you're at a funeral, you realize what's really important. I once heard a preacher said, what's the sense of him preaching a funeral because the person is dead? And so sad for him to say that because there's so much more than that. But here's the big thing about that. Most people at a funeral are at their most vulnerable time. That's if any time had slipped them where they didn't recognize how real God is. 
At the funeral, they normally have to ponder and start thinking, is there a real God? When people die, what happened? Is this it? What's going on? We start asking these questions now when we go to funerals because we realize we don't have power over death. We realize that it's, we're going to all die one day. And we don't have control over that. I don't care how much you build a safe house. You're getting old. So you're going to have the safest place and everything provided for you. But at some point in time, we're going to get older. We're going to leave this place. So all of us know we don't have control over death. And so when we see death, that's when we start thinking, is there a real God? Is there a way I can escape death? Oh, there's a way to escape death. You didn't catch that. There is a way to escape death. And that way to escape death is know who is the one that have power over death. When you know that Jesus Christ has power over death, then you don't fear death. But if you don't know that and you don't understand that, then you will fear death. You will be running from death because you're saying to yourself, oh my goodness. I mean, how do I escape this thing? It will never get away from me because I will die one day. But when you know who Jesus is and you follow after him, guess what? Come on, death. What you got? Come on, death. What you got? I don't, I'm not afraid of you because I know who my Redeemer is. And my Redeemer lives. And guess what? My Redeemer died and he rose himself. And if he rose himself, he can raise me up from the dead. And guess what? I've seen and I've heard that he rose others up from the dead. So what am I worried about when I leave this place? He's given me a temporary, he's given me a permanent place of all rest and goodness. We have to receive that and accept that and realize that's one of the many reasons that we need to serve the Lord and know him because death will sober you up one day. You will go to a funeral one day and say, oh, my God, what is this like? What happened to their life? Where, where you know, we look at pictures, you go to the funeral, you look at the picture that, that show you how they were living and, and, and how fun times you had with them and you see those pictures and now you're looking at them in the casket and you you just can't reconcile that. You're like, man, I remember we were just doing this. No life in them. I can't talk to them. They can't get up and walk. So the bottom line is the only way to escape that is know who Jesus is. Walk with him. Serve him. Know him for yourself and you won't have to worry about what will happen to you and when death come, you know, how should you deal with it? So we have to be careful of time stealers, the things that will come into our life that will that will just be cumbersome to us and we will worry about them. But essentially, they are not important. They're time stealers. They just get in the way. And so it's not until we we get we get to a place of understanding that we're going to die one day that we realize I got to start doing things that make a difference. Can I just let you in, in sometimes the way I think? I don't want to wait till I get old where I can't really do much more because my body is not strong enough to do things for the Lord anymore. And, and, and I'm not strong as I once was. I don't want to wait till that time to start saying maybe I should try to do something for the Lord. 
when I know I can't do anything anymore. I want when I have strength, I can do something for the Lord. I remember when Mama Allen was, was, was stronger in her body. She used to work a full-time job. Listen to me, I remember. She used to work a full-time job and get off her job and go to the church and clean the whole church. God remembers that. God remembers that. And so she don't have nothing to regret when she said, I, can't, I don't have the strength to do what I feel I want. She don't have to feel bad about that because she know when she had the strength, she gave it all. And that's how I feel about living for God. I don't want to wait till I'm old and, and I don't have the strength to give the Lord that I'm regretting that I never did what I was supposed to do. We got we to gotta make sure we don't let time stealers come in. Because there's so many things that come into our life that steal the time. And remember what I said, how you sometimes want to look at life is saying, what will this, this action of mine, what will this mean 10 years from now? This action of mine, what will this mean 20 years from now? This action of mine, what will this mean 50 years from now if I live that longer? If I live that long? And when you ask yourself that question and you can't get a, get a good answer, then you don't need to spend your time with that. That, that's how you kind of make a decision as to know wh- wh- what should you be doing, what, what, are, what are time stealers, what are things that, that, that you know, get in the way of, of you doing meaningful things. Yes, some things we are never able to avoid, right? We can't stop working. We can't stop working because if we don't work, we don't eat. No groceries. If we don't work, we don't get groceries. So we can't stop working. So we can't say, well, you know, that job just getting my way. <laughs> no, we have to go to work. We need to eat. The writer of Ecclesiastes led into a discourse on season and time with these words, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heavens. There is a proper time for everything, a A further reading into chapter 3 of Ecclesiastes revealed that there is a time for planting and a time for harvesting, a time for breaking things down and a time for building things up. There will be times for laughter and times of weeping, times of mourning and times for rejoicing. There will be those times when you lose and then there will be those times when you win. There will be precious times when you're able to embrace those you love, and then there will be the heartbreaking times when you will have to let go to those you love. There will, there have always been times of war and times of peace, and we have all found there is a time to speak and there's a time to be quiet. <laughs> Though there is a season and time for all things, we decide what gets the time we are in control of. So no matter what, there's a time for everything, but you still decide what gets most of your time. And I think that's really, it comes down to the crux of that, 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 that we have to be careful because everybody in this world get the same amount of time. And so when we stand before God, I can't, I can't say to God, well, you gave Donovan this much time, but you only gave me this time. 
Because I'm looking at what he accomplished, and I'm trying to figure out how did he accomplish that much. Well, he had the right priority. He understood time and what was the most important to him that will be important to God. And that's how we got to weigh our time is what's most important to God and what's less important to God. And that will help us define what we should put our time in. Very important. I know it's simple stuff. But if it's so simple, why aren't we doing it? It's simple stuff. But if it's so simple, why aren't we doing it? Understanding that the times we put in to the things that are important to the Lord, those are the times, those are the things that are important. The other things, we have to measure them out carefully to make a decision as to how much time we will spend doing those things. Doing those things. This is why David said, and this is the theme of our lesson tonight. Psalms 34 verse 1, David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. Not sometimes, but David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. And so we ought to become the people that will be like David and said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. When shall I praise him? Continually. When shall I worship him? At all times. And there should be no time that I'm existing that I'm not either praising the Lord or worshiping the Lord. My life can say it and my voice can say it. But I must bless Bless the Lord at all times. His praise must continually be in my mouth. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. Jesus, I give you the honor and the praise. For there is none like you. Somebody ought to catch on fire when they begin to think about the goodness of the Lord and all he's done. I can't think about his goodness without shouting something, without lifting my hands, uh, without pumping my fists, uh, without just saying, God, I praise you uh, because uh, God has been great uh, and I must praise him uh, at all times. Uh, I must honor him uh, at all times. Uh, I must worship him uh, at all times. Oh, hallelujah. Blessed be the name uh, of the Lord. Uh, Blessed be the name of Jesus. Uh, I praise you, Lord, uh, in spite of my trials, in spite of my situations, I praise you for God. I will bless the Lord at all times. And when I praise him, I don't think about anything else. I get consumed by him. I get overwhelmed by him. When I praise him, nothing else matters. When I worship him, I'm consumed by him. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, my God. 
He will help us to understand what are the time stealers. Because when you begin to worship him and when you begin to praise him, you just forget about everything. And when you get done worshiping and when you get done praise him, then you said, oh, what, what did I need to do? Nothing really matters when you get done worshiping the Lord. Nothing really matters when you get done praising him. You forgot everything you had to do anyway. That's how you know it probably wasn't important. Just think about it. How many times we've come together to worship the Lord, and if you sincerely just dig down or dug down and worship the Lord and praise Him, when you get done, whether it's done crying or done worshiping, you, you're not thinking about anything. It, it's not until a little bit later you said, what do we, I guess I did say I have to do this today and I have to do that today. But while you're worshiping the Lord, if you sincerely worship it, you're not thinking about nothing. All you know is I'm caught up. I'm caught up worshiping him. I'm caught up praising him. I'm caught up because I want to know him. I'm caught up because I want to get close to him. I'm caught up because I want to be in his presence. And I'm so caught up I can't think about yesterday. I can't think about today. I can't think about tomorrow. I can only think right now how close I want to be to him and nothing matters at that time you get out of that you forgot that you had a meeting you forgot that you promised somebody you were going to do this for them because those things probably didn't matter and you didn't know they didn't matter until (laughs) oh my god You, you, you didn't realize some of the plans you made weren't really important until after you worshiped God you you because you were so caught up. Oh, help us, Jesus. To David at all times meant even in the times of adversity and struggle. Uh, David's example to us is this. Because God is always worthy of worship, we must worship the Lord at all times, whether good times or bad times, whether test or trial, no matter the situation or circumstance, we must worship the Lord at all times. Hmm. Think about how you can apply this verse to your present situation. We must worship the Lord in the good times. Check this out. Think about this. Here we go. So we must worship the Lord in the good times. This seems like a given, right? That we're going to worship the Lord in the good times. People automatically want to worship the Lord when things are going well. You would think, right? Unfortunately, experience tells us that sometimes the good times cause us to forget God. The Lord actually warned the Israelites through Moses about this very thing happening. The simple fact that God chose to warn his people about being forgetful with their worship shows the nature. We as humans carry the way good times can affect us. Listen to this. This is, I believe it's Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 7 through 14. Listen to this. For the Lord your God is bringing you into, this is the NIV version, for the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with brooks, streams, and deep springs gushing out into the valley and hills, a land with wheat and barley, 
vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil, and honey. A land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing. A land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God. For the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God. Failing to observe his commandments, his laws, and his decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and you are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and you have and, and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. This is why we are challenged as a people, as an American people, is because we have experienced some good stuff from the Lord. He has blessed us and in the blessing that God has given to us, we now are more careful to give time and, 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 and give our focus to the blessings as opposed to the blesser. And so when we receive the blessings of God, we let those things get in the way of us praising the Lord, of us worshiping the Lord, because good things are flowing, good things are happening, and guess what? If it's good, we want to enjoy it. And the time we should be spending to worship the Lord, the time we should spend praising the Lord, we take that time, time stealer, we take that time to say let me enjoy the goodness of the Lord and so we are missing what we're supposed to give to the Lord because we're taking all the goodness of the Lord and spending it on us saying let me enjoy it and we're not saying let me enjoy Jesus we should be enjoying Jesus and not the things that he can do for us oh, oh my God help us help us Lord this is why the Bible always tells us it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. He didn't say a rich man cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. He just said it's hard. And so if you're rich, the best way to make sure you, you, you enter the kingdom of heaven is give away your riches. Problem is you got to spend time organizing to give away the this is, this is why it's such a challenge. Because even if you're rich and you're trying to give away your riches so you're not caught up with your riches, you got to be organized and strategic enough to say, how do I give this to this people and how do I donate this to that? It takes up time. And so you can't bless the Lord at all times. His praise will not continue to be in your mouth because all of what he has blessed you with is what you're focused on. It appears that good times can cause us to become proud and forgetful. We become proud because we begin to think the good came because we earned it or deserve it. We become forgetful because our pride leads us to selfish thinking and we become engrossed in our own accomplishments. Even in good times, our worship unto the Lord can suffer. Even in good times, our praise to the King of Kings can be silenced. How do good times affect your worship and prayer life. We must also choose to worship the Lord in bad times. Seldom do bad times inspire us to worship. 
In fact, bad times seems to have a way of handcuffing our worship. Whether due to worry, fear, anxiety, or simply an emotional downturn, bad times can often be a catalyst for silence. Many who find themselves in bad times avoid the altar, find excuses to miss church. And if they happen to come to church, they feel a heaviness that inhibits them from praising God. But not Job. After experiencing what can only be described as utter disaster in his life, Job's response was stunning. Job had received bad report after bad report. Again, Job is no different from you and me. Let's not put Job on some spiritual pedestal. Job was just like you. He was walking around in flesh. Job was walking around just like me and you. He felt, he hurt, he hungered, he thirsted. He was just like me and you. So he was no superhuman. He was no super Christian. He was just like me and you. Job had received bad report after bad report. The theft of his oxen, the slaying of his servants, the loss of his sheep, and the disappearance of his camels. And finally, the ultimate blow, the death of his sons and daughters. Staggering under the weight of such horrific news, Job stumbled out of his house. Tears streamed down his face as his world seemed to rapidly crumble beneath him. In that moment of cruel reality he found solid footing a switch was flipped and his faith took over he rent his clothes shaved his head and found a place by himself then he fell to the ground in worship and said naked i came from my mother's womb and naked i will depart the lord giveth and the lord taketh away even in the bad times we got to realize god is in control he knows everything he's omniscient and everything that's going on is hurting me it's just killing me it's destroying me I don't understand it I can't comprehend it but because I know the Lord is all powerful he is the creator and he knows everything I've got to trust him I came into this world with nothing he gave me the breath that I breathe and I can only be whatever I am because of him the Lord giveth and the Lord taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. It doesn't matter. This is how awesome God is. You can be having the best of times or you can be having the worst of times. It just don't matter because if our eyes are on Jesus, if our focus is on him and he can do exceeding and abundant above whatever we can ask or think, then guess what? I will just bless him. I will just worship him. I will just praise him because no matter what, what's best for me is what he will do. What's best for you is what he will do. And so I will worship him no matter what the circumstances are in the good times and in the bad times. Somebody need to bless the Lord with me tonight. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I give you honor, Lord. I give you honor, Lord. There is none like you. There is none like you. 
Whether good times or bad, the times call for worship. We must worship when we are strong, like the Israelites having settled in a land that is plenteous and filled with blessing. And we must choose to worship when we are weak like Job and life has turned against us. It is difficult to sense the Lord and his presence at times, but we still have to make sure there is no time that we should ever be present and experiencing God where we don't bless the Lord at all times. And so I close with this. Leaving the servants behind, Abraham and Isaac began the slow, arduous trip up the mountain. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two men made their way up the hill over rocks, past briars and brushes. The site for their sacrifice became closer and clearer. Isaac had wrestled with a certain question since they had started their climb. And as they came near to the offering site, his curiosity got the best of him. Father, I have the wood, you have the fire, but where is the lamb for the sacrifice? Abraham, knowing very well Isaac was the one the Lord had told him to sacrifice, delayed his response to his son for a moment. During the monetary, the momentary delay, the doubt he had been fighting relinquished itself and faith filled his mouth. When you are a worshiper of God, when you are a praiser of God, and you begin to obey God even when you don't understand it, even if you think maybe I misunderstood God, just keep on going and keep on obeying and keep on trusting because God certainly will show up when he needs to show up. You just keep on obeying God. Keep on following him and you will see God will show up when he needs to show up. The doubt they've been fighting He relinquished it, and all of a sudden, faith filled his mouth. Son, the Lord will provide the sacrifice for us. He said the Lord will provide the sacrifice for us. He didn't know how God was going to do it. We don't have to know how God is going to do it. But if God said it, if God proclaimed it, then it must be done. And if God said, oh, go and take your son and sacrifice him. If God said, I'm going to make you a father of many nations and your seed will be like the stars of the skies, you can best believe it will be done. And so he knew if God said it, so shall it be. We got to get that relationship with God where we can say to ourselves, if God said it, so shall it be. There's some things that God say that we need to start claiming and it's so shall it be. God called you to the kingdom of God for such a time like this. There is not one person in this room tonight that God didn't call you, that God didn't say, I chose you and I'm going to do something great and miraculous in you and in your family. There's not one person and you have to understand that. You have to believe that that God had called me to the kingdom and God had chose me and God will use me and where I am today and what I'm doing today that's not where God is going to keep me God's got 
have more plans and he will elevate and he will demonstrate. I just got to know it for myself and keep on going. I just got to know it for myself and keep on doing. I just got to know it for myself and keep on worshiping and keep on praising and keep on lifting up the name of the Lord. I don't care how many times you failed. I don't care how many times you messed up. I don't care how many times things just went south on you. I don't care how many disappointments. I don't care how much struggle. I don't care what it is. God promised that he will bring you through. And God promised he will give you eternal life. There is nothing that can stop you. There is nothing that can stop the plan of God for your life except you. Oh, oh, my God, help us today. Oh, I will bless the Lord at all times. I'm not just going to bless him when the plan looks like it's being fulfilled. I'm not just going to bless him when th- things look like it's going good. I'm not going to come and fold up in church when things don't look like it's going right. When people are treating me wrong. When I'm just disappointed. When I'm hurt. When people are backing away from me. I'm not just going to come and sit on God. I'm not just going to come and just sit there like God can't because God can and God will. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I will lift up the name of Jesus because I'm a child of God. I've been chosen of God. His blessing is on my life. His power is living in me. His strength is in my life. He has made me promise. I'm his witness. I'm his son. I'm his child. And we are his people. We gotta bless the Lord at all times and let his praise continually be in my mouth. For the Lord is great. He is great. He is great. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Lord is great. The Lord is great. The Lord is great. Abraham told his son, the Lord will provide. There's somebody here tonight, I want to tell you, the Lord will provide. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be financial. It doesn't have to be, but whatever you need, God has to provide it. Whatever needs to be done, only God can do it. And you can't give up now. You can't get frustrated now. As a matter of fact, I believe the Lord is telling you, if you will worship me now, if you will praise me now, don't wait till I do it. Don't wait till it's done. But if you will worship me before it's done, if you will praise me before it happens, I will certainly bring it to pass. I will show it to you. And your faith will increase because the Lord has said it and the Lord will perform it. But will you worship the Lord before it happens? Will you praise the Lord before it happens? Don't you wait for it to happen. God wants you to praise Him right now. God wants you to worship Him all the time because it's by faith we live and not by sight. It's by faith and not by sight. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, my God, my God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. How could He say such a thing the Lord will provide? 
had no promise of God interrupting the approaching ceremony. But Abraham did uh, have a covenant. <laughs> when God make you a promise, uh, when God called you and you obeyed, uh, when you repented of your sins uh, and you got baptized in Jesus' name, uh, God made you a promise. He said, you have now uh, entered into covenant with me. Uh, I am the Lord, your provider. Uh, I am Jehovah Jireh. I will provide for you. Uh, I am your king. Uh, I will reign in your life. Uh, I am the one uh, that will guide you. Uh, I am the one that will nurture you and nourish you and I'm the one that's coming back for you nobody loves you like God does nobody can treat you like he will you have to just trust him because God is faithful God is faithful Abraham had the covenant he was counting on him and his son by his side was supposed to be the link to the future. God, Abraham says, I know God had made me a promise. I have a covenant with God. And this little man right here, right next to me that's walking with me, he doesn't even know it. But I know it. God says he is the link to my promise. He is the link to my promise. And so this little man right here, there is no way he will be gone from me. I just have to keep on walking. I just have to keep on trusting. And I have to keep on worshiping uh, and I have to keep on praising uh, because my promise uh, is right here next to me. Uh, I'm hearing the Lord. Uh, your promise uh, is right here next to you. Uh, your promise is beside you. Uh, you might not be able to see it right now, uh, but God uh, has placed your promise uh, right next to you. Uh, and in a matter of time, uh, if you will worship, uh, if you will praise, uh, God will reveal. Uh, God will show you. Uh, God will manifest His promise. It's right next to you. It's right next to you. It's right next to you. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. They arrived and Isaac saw no sacrificial lamb. They built an altar together and there was still no sacrificial lamb in sight. Abraham turned to Isaac and told him, lay on the altar. And the question began to swirl in little Isaac's head again. Like, God, Dad, what's going on here? But the obedient Isaac didn't say a word. He crawled up into upon the altar on the structure. As Abraham took the knife in his hand, the angel of the Lord called out of heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy. He said, do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked and saw a ram caught in the horns by the thick of the bush. He and Isaac grabbed the animal which was miraculously there and became the substitute sacrifice God. God had provided on the mountain. God showed both father and son the Lord's response to those who will worship at all times. Are we experiencing testings? Are we experiencing trials? Our response should always be, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. We need to understand who our God is. And no matter where we are, 
no matter what we're encountering, no matter the good times, no matter the bad times. The bottom line is, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continue. I guarantee you'll feel better when you walk through the hallways of your job or when you walk to the restroom and says, I will bless the Lord at all times. Your praise shall continually be in my mouth. I guarantee you, if you will just say that all the time and put your mind on Jesus and even sometimes just lift your hands and says, Lord, I bless you. I bless your name. You are my God. I I worship you. Uh, I love you. Uh, if you will just do it, uh, it won't matter what you're dealing with. Uh, it won't matter how you feel. Uh, you will begin to be feeling differently uh, because when you bless the Lord, He blesses you. Uh, when you worship the Lord, He empowers you. Uh, I will bless the Lord at all times. Worship must be for all times, not sometimes, not in the good times and not in the bad times, but worship must be all times. Father, we thank you tonight for your word. We thank you, Lord God, for moving in this place. We thank you for stirring our hearts. We thank you for challenging us. We thank you for revelation. We thank you, Lord God, for illumination. We thank you, Lord God, for your love and your kindness. We thank you for your promises and covenants. We thank you, Lord God, for deliverance. We thank you for healing. We thank you for restoration. We thank you for provision, Lord God. Lord Jesus, we honor you and we praise you for you are our God, our Lord, our master, our ruler, our king, eternal, immortal. Oh God, we're so grateful that we can know you, that you reveal yourself to us. But God, we know now. We will bless the Lord at all times. We will bless the Lord at all times. In the good times and in the bad times. In, 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 in every time we will bless your name Lord God. For you are our God. Oh, you are our God. And Lord, we thank you for loving us and how you feel about us Lord God. We're so grateful and thankful for nobody cares for us and love us the way you do. Nobody can do us the way you do us Lord God. And so, Lord, it is so easy uh, to worship you. Uh, it is so easy to love you. Uh, it is so easy to bless your name. Uh, the Lord has been good. Uh, your mercy everlasting. Uh, and your truth endureth uh, to all generations. Uh, oh, today we will bless the Lord at all times. Lord, let this word settle in our spirit. And become a part of us that as we go from this place tonight, we will never be the same again. Because, Lord, we are worshipers. We've been called to worship. We've been called to praise. We've been called to worship and praise. And so, Lord, from this night on, from this moment on, that we will never be the same. And, Lord, no matter where we are, no matter what we're going through, we will bless the Lord at all times. We love you, Lord. Thank you for all you're doing. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, God bless you, in Jesus' name.